Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we approach your word and we thank you that your word is life. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is salvation, it's, it's rededication, it's health, it's healing. Your word is what makes us last. We stand on the word of God. We're thanking you for it. And you said you're our shepherd and that we shall not want. And you lead us by still waters. You cause us to feast. And what you cause us to feast on is the word. And we stand on the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So with that being stated, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I want to make reference to it again. Your time has already arrived. Now, listen close to what we're about ready to state in this because it's so crucial that we're as believers, as born again, those that are what I call Bible saved, not just church saved, attending church, born in a church, baptized in a local assembly, and then that's it. No. I'm talking about real Bible saved. That means you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That means that you are dedicated to God. You've devoted your life to God. You're consistent with God. You walk with God. You're washed in the blood. You believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God for sinners slain. You believe that He uh, was born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven. And you live like that every day of your life, anticipating a soon return. I'm not talking about just mere church attendance. I'm talking about attending to the presence of God, which we're going to deal with right now on a daily basis. We must live for God daily and live for Him. We live and we move and we have our being in Him. Now, in His presence, we just don't move in steps. We move in spiritual dimensions. We just don't move naturally in steps from one place to another like we age naturally. No, we move in His presence. We move from from into dimensions, realms of the Spirit. We grow in the Spirit. We we, uh, accelerate. The strength of God comes on us in that. Now, we're going to go to the book of Philippians, and we're going to read chapter 3 and uh, verse 10. And uh, I want to... I wish I could just take time to read all of the book of Ephesians because of time constraints here at this hour that we're dealing with. I won't have time to do that, but I encourage you to read all of it, all the book of of Philippians, powerful book. Paul wrote to that. And so Philippians chapter 3, Paul the apostle makes this statement, that I might know him, I like that, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering being conformed unto his death. Now watch this. That I might know him and the power, the power of his resurrection. The fellowship. Now watch that. The fellowship of his suffering so that I become conformed to his death. Now that doesn't mean I'm dying. It means everything that Jesus died for was for my benefit. When Jesus died, he he eradicated sin. He defeated the power of sin. Now what I got to do is accept Jesus Christ, remove myself from sin, and accept righteousness. 
But now he makes the statement that I might know him. Now, let me make this statement to you while you're looking at that voice, verse. That I might know him. The presence of God is the birthplace of the will of God. He's saying here that I might know him. I want to know God's will. I want to know him so that I can know who I am. I can know what I'm supposed to do. And I can know when I'm supposed to do it. And I have the accurate will of God. This is what Paul the Apostle is saying. What we've got to do is say the same thing. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I need to know you. I need to know what you want from my life. I want to know where it is you want me to go. I want to know exactly what the will of God is for my life. And he said, and the power of the resurrection. Now, not just the resurrection. We know he was resurrected, but there was a power behind it. Yes, there was power that raised him from the dead. But Jesus made reference in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, all power has been given unto me and I give it to you. Where did he get that power? How did, how did, what power is he releasing? The very power of the resurrection. That resurrection power, we didn't get that power of him just walking on earth. It was after the fact when he defeated all of hell, all of disease, all of sickness, all of sin. When he wiped out every demonic force, he rose again from the dead. He took the keys away from Satan, which were the sin, the keys to hell, grave, and, and death. He took them away. Then he said, to you and to me, all power. I give unto you. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're born again, you got to put your hand to heaven and rejoice. Power of God lives on the inside of me. And we know that because he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I do not go away, then the Holy Ghost won't come. The Holy Spirit won't come. And if he does come, he'll dwell in you, make his home in you, live in you. And that power that he that I represent is in him and he'll be inside of you. The power of his resurrection. However, you'll never walk in the power. You'll never demonstrate the power unless you know him. You got to know him. And you just don't know him casually. You know him. And the Bible says, and the fellowship of his suffering. What does that mean? Well, that word fellowship, koinia, means that we're going to have intimacy with God. However, there will be challenges. So if you're going through challenges, listen, it's inevitable that we will. In John's gospel, he made the statement and he said, he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But I need you to be of good cheer. I overcame the world. Jesus' first message in Luke chapter 4, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18, 19, and 20, and 21. Jesus makes reference of this. In verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me. But that powerful. However, what we back up all the way, and while he was in the mountain praying, you knew who showed up? Satan tempted him three times. And Jesus kept saying, it's written. So Jesus was challenged by Satan himself. You and I have never have been confronted by uh, Satan personally himself. Demons, yes. Emotions, yes. But never by Satan personally. Jesus dealt with him personally. He approached Jesus one-on-one. -on -one, and Jesus whipped him with the word. 
Well, you can whip Satan, you can whip emotions, you can whip all the challenges, every obstacle with the Word of God. But the key was, is Jesus spent time in the mountain to do what? To know Him, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Now, it doesn't mean you fellowship with suffering. You fellowship with the God who defeated all suffering. He was wounded for your transgressions. Remember that? He was bruised for your iniquities. Do you remember that? The chastisement of your peace was upon him. Do you remember that? And by the stripes, you are healed. Do you remember that? Jesus himself became a curse, according to Galatians, that you might become the free and be blessed and the righteous of God. Do you remember that? You must know who you are so that you can know what you're supposed to do, so that you can understand the will of God, that I might know him. And then being conformed, being conformed unto his death. Now, what does that mean? Am I going to die? No. He died the death so that you could live. So the death that he died produced the life you and I live. We got to, we've got to realize that. He died to sin. We lived to righteousness. He died, he died so that you and I could be born again. He died and he killed death, the spiritual death, so that you could have spiritual life. He that had the Son had life. He that had not the Son had not life. He has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Satan, the great thief, came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus whipped him. In the presence, we don't move in steps, we move in dimensions. In his presence, that's where the birthplace of wisdom is. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and look at this verse of Scripture. As we go through this, now we've got to realize who we are. Then let me get into what my statements are. Ephesians 2.10, Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, one of the most, at that time, one of the most uh, spiritual churches that there were. They, they had a revelation in them. They, not, they got the same teaching that all the other churches got. But man, they gravitated to it. They got a hold of it. And it got in them. And uh, they grew in this thing. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ, the Anointed One and His anointing, Jesus. So we were created in an anointed capability. That anointing resides on the inside of us. Everything you're looking for is here already. You want, you listen, happiness is emotional. The world will not make you happy. Circumstances right now going on in the world are not happy moments, man. People are confused. They're hurting. There are people losing jobs. There's, there's uh, stress on marriages. And, and, and man, you hear it all the time. News, it keeps coming across. However, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, you must be strengthened in your inner man. Why? So that you can counteract all that stress out there. The God-given state of being blessed removes all stress. Yeah, there's, there's levels of stuff out there. However, you and I win. We, we're conquerors. We are more than conquerors. The Bible specifically tells us that we have defeated the wicked one. The diseased one, the crippled one, the diabolical one. He's deceived. Uh, he is the deceiver and he's deceived himself. We win in Jesus' name. Now, 
We're his workmanship. You're his workmanship right now. I like the term highly crafted. That means God took time to, to shape you, to mold you to who you are. You're uniquely you in Christ Jesus. Celebrate that. And the Bible said you were created. Oh, man. Think about that word created. He took the old man and totally renewed it, re removed it, and then made a new creature in which old things are passed away. Think about that. And all things became new. I know you know that verse, but think about this. Old things are passed away. What old things? Not your age, not people you knew, not people you knew in high school. The old you, the old way you thought, the old mess, the old clutter, all that old stuff that hindered you, all the bad-mouthing that you did about yourself, all the challenges you went through, maybe all the failures you went through, all the mistakes you made. All those things, old things are dead, over with. Stop majoring on those. That's not your testimony. Your testimony is now what God is doing in your life right now. Your testimony is what the blood did for you right now. Your testimony is what the life of God is doing for you right now. Praise God for it. The life of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you're watching me right now. Listen, you are His workmanship. Right now, don't, don't, don't read it as a verse. You're his workmanship. And you've been created, designed by God, the internal life of God. But you'll never discover it unless you stay in God's presence. God's presence is what unveils it to you. It exposes it to you. It brings you out. It shares with you everything that you are. You're created in Christ. That word Christ means the anointed one. The anointed. It's, a, it's, a, it's a word that a lot of people misunderstand. It literally means empowered by God to do what you naturally can't do. In the spirit realm, there's a, there is a capability of God to do things you couldn't do. Challenge things. You, there there are, are individuals by the Spirit of God. They're doing things they didn't know they could do before. But once they discover God, we're going to talk about that in a moment. What you, who you are, let me, let me give you a statement. Who you are and what you possess in Christ is in, in, unveiled in his presence. Who you are and what you possess in Christ is unveiled. It's a discovery in Christ. When you get into, into the word and you get into prayer, and uh, I was recently talking to somebody about this, God is not desiring you just to pray casually. God's asking you to pray consistently, to be somebody who prays. There's a difference. The word prayer, the word prayer, if you, you study with E-R at the end of it, prayer. There are some people who went into prayer. Then if you say that same word another way, same spelling, but another way, it's prayer. There's a difference we see somebody who went into prayer once last week or prayer once this week versus those individuals who live a life of prayer. They wake up in prayer. They, they're, they're, in, they're in prayer in the afternoon. They're in prayer in, in the evening. They're, they're, if God directs them to, to go, to, he needs them to voice something, to create something in the atmosphere, they're ready to go into prayer right away. They'll park their car, pull off the highway, pull off the road, park and pray. These are prayer, prayer warriors. These are people that pray. They are prayers, not just people that pray once in a while. Prayers are excited people. They know their God. 
and they have a revelation of who they are. We must know, listen close, these statements. We must know that we're in Christ. We've got to know this, we're in Christ. You ought to say this with me. I know I'm in Christ. I know I'm in that anointing. I know I'm in that anointing. I'm just not anointed when I take the pulpit. I'm anointed because I'm anointed because Jesus, the head of the church, lives in me through the person of the Holy Spirit. He said he would make my vessel that which was fit for the master's use. He said that this would be a holy tabernacle, the house of Almighty God. Well, guess what? It is. I don't guess it is. I don't think it is. I know it is. This house, this body, this temple encases the very nature of Almighty God. I have been saved. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I have His nature. I have His ways. I have His word. I have His works. I have His will. And I'll walk in it. I'll talk in it. I'll live in it. I'll manifest it. I'll receive it. I'll sow from it. And I'll live the best life I can possibly live. It's called the high life. We've got to know that we're in Christ. Number two, we've got to know that he dwells in us. Know it, that he dwells in us. Listen to me. Uh, you may face challenges, but they don't dwell in you. You may feel like a challenge is coming and oppressiveness, but oppression does not live in you. Come on. Say, come on. Listen to me. You're, you're not an oppressed individual. You are possessed not by Satan, not by challenge, not by sickness, not by disease. You are God-possessed, holy possessed You live under the presence of the Most High God. Let's do this. We are God-inside-minded. Right in here, I'm God-inside-minded. So every time I face a challenge outside, God rises up. The Word rises up. The nature of God rises up. Number two, we have, we know, listen to this, we have His ability. That's right. We have a God-given ability to do. I recall uh, I was given a, a, an account, not a story. I don't like that term when I deal with these kind of things. A testimony, a real Bible testimony. A wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, many years ago, a man by the name of Andre Crouch wrote so many wonderful uh, uh, worship uh, songs. Uh, Jesus is the answer for the world today. To God be the glory. Oh, man, what a thing. But you know, when he was a little boy, his pastor looked at him and said, get on that piano. He got on the piano, and he had never taken one piano lesson at all, not one. And the pastor laid hands on him and said, in Jesus' name, I command you to play. That little boy, Andre Crouch, started to play that piano and never stopped playing and wrote some of the most powerful worship songs in his lifetime that we still sing today we still know today and because because of the fact the ability of God was in him somebody had to yank it out and it took his pastor to notice that recognize that that's why you need to be in church that's why you need a pastor because my job is to preach what I'm doing right now is getting rid of all the clutter in your, in your life, all the stuff, and exposing you to a truth. You are of God, little children. You've overcome. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Right where you're at, celebrate him. Right where you're at, the anointing of God's there. Invoke God's presence in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever you're at. you got to celebrate and honor God, the ability of God. You have his wisdom. 
You have his love. Think about that. The Bible said, according to uh, uh, the letters of John, John the, the, uh, wrote this, the revelator, and he wrote this, that we might know and believe the love God for, has for us. See, a lot of people know God's a God of love. They have a challenge believing he loves them. They love them. And why? Because mistakes, challenge, flesh, situations, they mess up. And listen, get over all that. God loves you. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. God just simply loves you. Now, we are His righteousness. You ought to say that. You're His righteousness. If you're His righteousness, guess what you're not? You're not in sin. He lives in you. He talks in you. He's big on the inside of you. Now watch this. The lordship of His reality is in you. The lordship of His reality. Wow, that powerful. And the word is present tense in our hearts. It's not past. I read the word two years ago, but it's just real to me today. Right now, it's alive in me right now. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 makes this statement. It says this, but the path of the just is as a shining light. The path of the just is as a, as a uh, shining light. The shine, uh, that shine, watch this, more and more, more and more. More and more. It means increase on increase. It means it grows. It goes from one level to another level. One dimension to another dimension. We don't move in steps. Remember, we move in dimensions. More and more. Unto the perfect day. Now, let me make this statement to you. There's no such thing as a born-again believer that's an empty vessel. No empty vessels in, in, uh, in human beings that are born again, washed in the blood. Not on earth, not even in heaven. Every person, listen close to this, if you've been down on yourself and beat yourself up, I'm going to help you right here forever. I'm going to give you some joy right now. Every person has worth and value that is richly born again. Everyone has been born with life-changing contribution. All they need to know is who they are so they can release it. If you know who you are in Christ, you'll tap into it. This is where, where people run into challenges. They're looking for a natural person. They go to churches and uh, say, Pastor doesn't recognize me. Pastor doesn't expect my gift. You got to love your gift. Do you love your gifting on the inside of you? Let me help you here for just a moment. Do you know why, why a person biblically should leave a church? Number one, the pastor's teaching false doctrine. I mean heresy. Does not believe Jesus is Lord, does not preach the gospel according to what it says, does not believe you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth, believes that you can just live a good life, you don't need Jesus in your life. If a preacher preaches that, false doctrine, that's heresy, you shouldn't stay there. That's wrong. Number two, if the pastor has violated immorally and is consistently living in an immoral life, you should not stay where there's immorality especially in the pulpit. They should be leaving. If a pastor is a pervert, the pastor is a pedophile, an adulterer, adulteress, the pastor is uh, homosexual, doing what he should, and, and living wrong, leave. Man, you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't leave there. If he's a thief, stealing from the tithe and offering, should not be there. The last reason you should leave a church is that's if you die. Because if you die, you can't attend there. You, get, you, you don't leave because you got upset. You don't leave because somebody, because you got, well, I feel like I'm called and I can't preach there. You're not supposed to preach here. This is my assignment. 
This is your pastor's assignment. Wherever you go to church, wherever you go to church, your pastor put you there. He didn't put you there to take over the pulpit. No, no, you didn't do that. Your pastor doesn't do four terms and then you vote somebody else in. Your pastor's there until God says otherwise. And that's what you do. That's why I'm still here 42 years later, still preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God told me to do this. I'm a shepherd. Man, I've had people upset, get mad, but you know what? So what? I've got to keep preaching the gospel. And people come, they've gone, they've come, they've gone. Many churches have done that. Pastors all over wonder what happened. Well, the people got in the flesh and they left. Why? Not in Christ. Not in Christ. In flesh. They didn't leave because God told them. They can say God told them to, but God would never have somebody leave disappointed, mad, irritated, aggravated, causing challenge. Never do it. God would never do it. You've got to find that in Scripture to tell me that that's true. No such thing as empty vessels. Everyone's been born with life-changing contribution. If you're called to God, you're called to God within a church to stay in a church to help that church and develop that church. There's no such thing as an impotent or impotent man or woman on earth. People only appear that way. They, they only appear that way. Here's why. Because they choose to disconnect or to distance themselves from God's presence. Let me give you one last verse of scripture, if I may. Colossians 2.13 says this. Colossians 2.13, and this is a very, very important, very powerful, very vital verse. And you, being dead through your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you, I say, did he make alive together with him. Well, if you're alive with him, then you were made alive with all of the virtue of God, all of the, of the manifestations that need to be produced. The earth is groaning, the Bible said, travailing for the manifestations of the sons of God. That's you and that's me. When we read the Apostle Paul said to the church, we see this. Think about this. The frequency of your appearance in his presence determines the intensity of your strength. Let me read that again. The frequency of your appearance in his presence is what determines the intensity of your strength. It, uh, next week we're going to get into Moses. I want to get into Gideon. And I want to get it. Let me just share this with you. God showed up to Jeremiah, called him and said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what Jeremiah said. I'm a child. God knew who he was, but God didn't call him a child. Jeremiah called himself a child until God got a hold of him. And here's what he called him. He didn't call him a child anymore. He called him a city. Wow. Think about that. In Judges chapter six, God met Gideon. And called him and said, I need you to go. And here's Gideon's excuse. Here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what he said. I am poor. My family was poor. I came from a family that had no recognition. Why do you want me? God says, I know you and you will be the ca captain and you will be the deliverer of this nation. Wow, think about that. From being poor, God called him rich. To being insignificant, said you're significant. When you hear from God, you get changed. Do you know that Moses, after he got found out who he was, he defended a man who was Jewish and killed him. That made him run. He escaped. For 40 years, he became a shepherd. Do you know what he had in his hand? A shepherd's rod. Do you know what he did? Defended sheep. 
But do you know when God got a hold of him, that rod became his staff. And that staff became the miracle power of God. Stretch it out over the sea and it'll split. Split the, hit the rock and it'll open up and water will come. None of that happened till he met God. And he had a visitation and God's presence revealed to him who he was. Until you get into God's presence, all of the greatness God put in you will stay hid from you. You must know God loves you. You got to know God has delivered you. You got to know that God has not given up on you. You got to know that God will never quit on you. You got to know that his mercy is directed towards you. His grace is directed towards you. So regardless of what people say, regardless of what's going on, wake up to righteousness. And the greatest sin you could do is deny who you are in Christ. God loves you. And if you're not born again, you need to get in Christ. And you do that by believing in your heart and confessing in your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Man, I sure love you. And, and I appreciate you. And we at Heritage reaching out to you, letting you know that God cares about you. Right now, uh, if if you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.